welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined by my co-host, the great and mighty John. Hello, hello. I don't know about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> the wise and wonderful John. There we go. That's, that's <laughs> So, we're going to look at some blogs today. It's been a minute since we sat down and done a couple, a couple week or two, I want to say, since we sat down and done this. We got a few blogs to check out. Yeah, they keep, people keep writing them, so. So, carousing mishaps is the first one we have on our on our list, and this is from, oh, I just, I actually closed it as soon as I said I was going to look at it's, it. So. Uh, it's eldritchbuilds.blogspot.com. This is a D10 chart that they posted on Eldritch Fields. More carousing mishaps for your city-based campaigns. It's supposed to be combined with the three musketeers table they has, or any fantasy urban campaign setting. Uh, Thomas, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, Thomas, because I'm scared I'm going to say it wrong and I'm going to feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a D10 chart. Let's see what kind of mishaps can happen when we're when we're carousing through the city. Would you like to go? Uh, sure, I'll roll. Okay, I rolled a one. During your nighttime escapades, this is while carousing, of course, you discover a shortcut leading through the hidden alleys, rooftops, dark sewers. Once this session, you can lead the party through this shortcut to any place in the city 10 times faster than it would take normally. However, each member of the party must roll a D6. The character who rolls highest takes that much damage from an unforeseen attack or mishap along the way. Oh, no. So I like that. It's like you don't have to, you know, actually play out any kind of encounter it just you know you got he somebody or you got, could you could play you it, could right? but he just takes that much damage or he or she takes that much damage and it could be from anything for a fall a, a attack anything so i rolled a six you befriend the owner of a drinking establishment perhaps you healed their favorite parrot or save their son's ass in a brawl um Never mind. The next time you go carousing, you get 10 silver piece disc, 100 silver piece discount. The amount of experience points gained does not change. All right. Moving on to the next one that we have here. The next one is from D4 Caltrops. We like to come to D4 Caltrops, I think. And uh, I really like this one. In fact, while we're doing this, I may try to try to print up this chart and uh, use it in my upcoming game. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, there's a there's just a amazing trove of useful tables on his uh, on this website. So always encourage people to check it out. So this one is D100 Fairy Tale Weaknesses. Yeah, so it, it just uh, occasionally I'll read right from the post. Occasionally, it might be interested to provide a mon monster with a special weakness or Achilles heel, some form of or a flaw that might be exploited or sometimes serve as a as the only method of defeat so it's just a hundred um fairy tale weaknesses that you can use i rolled a 43 which is make it count only the first strike will harm until a fortnight passes <gasps> oh that could be tough but you're <laughs> figuring that one out uh yeah that's a tough one i will go ahead and roll 68 show them kindness Ah, you can only you can only, I guess, harm them by showing them kindness first 
or maybe kindness itself harms them. There we go. <laughs> Just keep on giving them hugs, killing them with kindness. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a ton of great ones in here. A certain fish swims in a nearby lake, catch, cook, and feed it to them. There's things like each each must utter a shameful secret out loud for all to hear. Strawberry tarts, uh, soapy water, warm, and a good scrub to remove any filth. All these, just tons of weird little things. Yeah, and, and it also provides, like, this could be a whole session or two, because you have to find out what this weakness is first. That could be a quest right there, or a lot of role play anyway. And then some of them require items. That could be another uh, additional quest. So, yeah, lots of great ideas here. So there's this Rosalind chapman rosepulpwordpress.com and they have this ethics of dungeoneering blog post i think it's really interesting now i could go on about this one for an entire 30 minute episode probably who knows we might i may try to get a hold of this person to talk about it i don't even know where to start with talking about it so much here but they have questioned the ethics of dungeoneering they're a pretty interesting lens looking at things like colonialism imperialism xenophobia etc cetera, etc cetera. really good good look at it and 100 there's some great stuff to consider here the justification is players as colonizers they go over players are heroes and cops and stuff like that uh trying to seize as much wealth as they can you can go through this they also talk about like the dragon as the capitalist type concepts there's a lot of cool neat stuff and interesting approaches to looking at what we're playing in the lens of all this stuff it's worth talking about and it's worth looking at and it's one of those things that i would love to do a full episode on sometimes but in this quick blog review i'm just going to point it out we'll put a link there i strongly suggest checking it out we'll probably have a link on the site or two as well to check it out so yeah i have a lot of uh thoughts about the ethics because you know on the adventures are horrible terrible people <laughs> you know you have to you either you have to add, add some nuance to it or you know you can just say this is a fantasy world where there is true pure evil and some of these creatures are just pure true evil it's not like the real world uh, that's the uh, otherwise you are just a terrible colonizing <laughs> yeah. murdering horrible thieving person <laughs> so i think i like the ambiguity so you either nuance. add the nuance you know uh or you know have a very black and white outlook on good and evil and just call it a day. i mean orcs are evil period there there's nothing more to be said i have trouble with that you know it's it's hard to kind of this um entangle your own real world ethics from i like the ambiguity and i like the discussions it brings yeah up, absolutely honestly. absolutely i'm glad that these are things we can talk about and, I, and those are things i've not shied away from in game either i like bringing this stuff up and be like hey look how horrible you just were yeah what <laughs> did you do to those kobold babies uh, like what? <laughs> that's uh yeah my, I love the, if you took it, take a look at that little adventure I threw up on the Patreon, the Temple of Gog, when you get to the babies, the goblin babies, there are, there are how many, I think this is 1D, so many squishy goblin babies yeah. that, with 1D, two hit points each. It's like, huh, how horrible are you? How yeah. horrible is your party? Go nuts. What's going to happen? Let's talk about this. The next we have is giving the spirits due. I like this one. And I like Wayne. Wayne's, Wayne's a solid feller. This is on initiative1.blogspot.com. 
and what he's talking about is like the actual like using a spear was probably a more common weapon and it gave you an advantage for people that are coming at you with hand-to-hand combat it was one of the most common things used and you can use it from further away one of the things i've always had a problem with in dnd was the fact that if i'm in combat and i'm using a spear i should be able to get to them way before they get to me and keep them at bay with that spear but that's not really a mechanic in there and i think he kind of touches on some of that it gives some of his house rules and the use of spears yeah so uh, i've always i've always said that spears were very not never given their due they should a do more damage they should be more common and there should be different types of spears you know just like swords so anybody that's trying to address that i i definitely want to read and see how i can apply it to my game I'm going to be doing some house rules to Spears in this upcoming game. And especially after reading that, that's one of the things I've been thinking about. Anything pre-medieval, Spears were even way more common than swords. So a lot of like Roman Roman warfare and stuff like that, you'd have the, what was it called? The phalanx, you'd have your spear and you'd have your shield. Yeah. And you'd use your shield to defend yourself. You'd be able to poke out from far away to keep them from coming and spike them. Mm-hmm. The next we have is at theothersideetimsbrannon.com. We've had this blog on here. Tim's brand has got a great little blog working the night shift to the other side. And I just want to point out, he's reviewing the castles and crusades codex books. The one we're pulled up is the codex Nordica. These are great books. This is a good little, um, he's got links on here to the Greek and the Celtic book as well. I think he may have covered a few more in the blog. So we'll put a link there. You can go around and see which ones and read a little bit of the review. I strongly suggest buying the books. I think they're useful. They're a lot like the old green books from AD&D 2nd Edition in a lot of ways with a little more historic information in it sometimes and and maybe like regional information as well. Good books to pick up. Yeah, just for the history alone. I mean, and they all have additional uh, classes, I think, and monsters, spells. Uh, Yeah, it's just a really fantastic resource. Covering a multitude of cultures, not just your typical Western European fantasy setting. So, the next post is at Old Skull Publishing. Uh, someone who's been on here, Diogo Nguera, it's a good little a good little blog post, essentially about kind of tricking your players, putting in encounters with somebody who's who's doing something evil, bad, nefarious, but appearing to seem like a nice person and pulling the wool over their eyes. Yeah, I, I'm going to say go to oldschool-publishing.com and check out this one, Iconic Encounters the Innocent. If you want to have a really fun, interesting uh, encounters to kind of use with your game, your party group to kind of something they have to figure out as they're perhaps harming themselves. It goes on to say stuff like, like uh, you're sent on missions by this person, but you're hearing from the creatures you're defeating, like, no, you've got it all wrong and stuff like that. Yeah, he's got a whole series of these iconic encounters. And really, if if you're interested in good game design and, uh, you know, up in your game, up in your game when it comes to, you know, being a DM or whatever, you can't go wrong checking these out. They're all just really, really good. Yeah, they are. Uh, Now, the next one, how many weapons can you have in D&D on roleplayinglab.com? This whole thing goes, and I think it's maybe more for modern editions, but it goes into kind of answering like rules wise, how many you can carry and stuff like that. And it seems kind of absurd to me. Now I'm going to point something out that doesn't seem to be taken into consideration. It's like, like 
according to the rules, you can have, carry 166 long swords at three pounds a piece, 125 battle axes. I was a Marine. I had to carry 70 pounds on my back and an M16A2 service rifle. That's a lot. Carrying more than one weapon, if you have a, a, a you have a K bar maybe somewhere, you know, that's a lot. Those two weapons can be a lot. Maybe you can have a couple small hand sized weapons strapped to your pack. When you're carrying stuff on that pack, it becomes cumbersome. Mm-hmm. One M16A2 service rifle is difficult to carry. I have carried more than one. I can imagine a sword on a sheath being very similar. You've got the strap. You're not going to be able to load up like that. Despite the weight, these are cumbersome equipment. These are cumbersome weapons. You're trying to carry them. They're not going to carry nicely stacked. Perhaps you can carry 100 pounds. Realistically, I can pick up and move 100 pounds or whatever. But at the end of the day, if it's like condensed into something that's going to be easier, if you're carrying it all these different weapons and different cheese and stuff Com- like that, very you're cumbersome not going to be able- and awkward. Yeah. And when you get a second one in there, it's, it's, it's near impossible. You get a three and four. It's no. Yeah. Anybody that's done any backpacking and, and this is, doesn't even count encounters you might have. Forget it. When you're in an encounter, you better lose that weight quick. But if you're just mm-hmm. backpacking with, with a lot of oddly shaped, long uh unbalanced things then it's gonna get it's gonna get weird my I, my rule is always does it make sense if, if i see a picture of you carrying all this stuff are you gonna look ridiculous then no that's too much <laughs> it, 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 you can't like like having that having that that rifle strapped to you carrying it on your shoulder is it, it's a it's, it's it's a bit and you gotta get used to it mm-hmm. having two it's quite a bit possible but you're not going to have a free arm now i'm going to move on to bat in the attic bat in the attic.blogspot.com this is the the feller who did um majestic fantasy rpg which is well worth checking out you can it's got a link there find it on drive through rpg he's talking about a rule here he's working with fighters getting attacks per, so many attacks per level especially with one hit point monsters now he calculates it and how you can kind of put in more than one hit point monsters in there it's worth taking a look there are definitely modern approaches to this and newer additions as well that i've seen but for a good house rule for your fighters to be able to take out the out you know lower level monsters check out multiple fighter attacks revisited for swords and wizardry so this is bx the continent yeah so this is just a sorry grimoire.blogspot.com has a few posts uh, talking about the uh, setting that was used in basic Dungeons and Dragons. And a little bit of the history of this was um, when they were working on the basic line, Gary Gygax had complete control over Greyhawk. Anything set in Greyhawk had to go through him. He was a busy man, so they had to come up with their own. And what they ended up using was uh, a world that was developed by Tom Maldvey, who did the B from BX, and Larry Schick, who was also an early, I believe he was an early TSR employee, but he definitely contributed a lot to the early fan, um, the early game. They ran a campaign from 74 to 1976, and this is the world they used. It became known as the known world and eventually morphed into Mysteria. Mysteria? 
I don't, I forget what it was, but yeah. And I've got some stuff from it. There's some of that stuff I would like. I know that it's available print on demand over at Drive Through RPG. I would almost like to pick some of it up. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was first in Owl of Dread. Anyway, it, it's just a really good, interesting take on uh, looking into the history of the known world. The beating heart of the OSR. Uh, real quick, this, I'll, I will not take up much time with this. It's more of my BX love. Um, he has a few articles here, Brian Pauls, uh, who does BX Bandits here, talking about the importance and uh, love for uh, BX in particular, the Moldvay, Cook, Marsh, basic expert sets from 1981. He also quantifies in this one, which one is the uh, most popular. And it seems to be OD and D as opposed to BX. There's far more OD and D clones. Than BX yeah. As far as retro there. clones go, <laughs> absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, and I understand that. I mean, it's the most simple and it was actually the one that thinks to the work of Matt Finch got around the OGL, I think. The earliest so <laughs> yeah swords and wizardry and uh, it, it seems to have had has a lot of variations of the game out there in fact the one we were just talking about majestic fantasy rpg is a, a variation on swords and wizardry that's about all we have for today if you've enjoyed what you've heard please give us a positive review wherever you're listening and those of you that have thank you so much it helps greatly you can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hail Crom. We can really use the support on Patreon. And those of you that are supporting us, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. That's patreon.com backslash Wobblies and Wizards. And keep those dice rolling. Bye-bye.